another episode of Real Talk here on Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez, and today we're talking about point number seven. We're wrapping up this part by talking about salvation is permanent. And this is where all the naysayers sit up in their chairs and they crack their fingers, crack their knuckles, and they say, I'm going to get in the comments and I'm going to write a nasty blog post because once saved, always save is a doctrine of demons. No, it's not. It's biblical. And that's the case that I want to make for you today. There's a lot of things that go into this. Okay. First of all, the best verse to support this is in 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. What does this mean? Well, very clearly. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. So John is writing, and I believe these things that he's talking about begins in chapter 5 and goes through into this point here of 1 John. He's writing these things to those that believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, I'm, I'm a part of that group. I've believed on Jesus Christ that he died for my sin. I should know something that you may know that you have right now. It's in present tense. It's, it's in my possession. I have eternal life. That's the quality of, of life that I have. It's not a temporary life. It's not a life that is probationary based on my performance, nor do I earn it. I've got it. I have eternal life because I believed on the name of the Son of God. It does not say that you may hope in the modern sense of the word hope that we have eternal life. It, it does not say temporary. If we misquote scripture, we can make it say that, but that's not what God says. We can know that we have eternal life. Though that, that verse, 1 John 5, 13, was written to those who believe, Christians, so that they could know or have assurance of their salvation. So let's talk about emotions and feelings because this is where I think a lot of people begin to disagree, okay? There are two positions, um, and I think they're both an overreaction based on emotion, okay? There is, well, really there's three positions. There's two truths, or excuse me, two errors and a truth. The first position is the one who is, calls themselves an Arminianist or an Armenianist, uh, you know, Armenianism, whatever. I, I don't pronounce them correct 100% of the time. But this is the one who elevates man's free will. Okay, and they say salvation is received by faith alone in Jesus Christ's atoning work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. I agree with the Arminianist in that point. However, God has given man free will, so therefore man can will himself out of salvation. What does the Bible say about that? Glad you asked, because it does say something very clearly. Go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. The very end of that chapter, we'll go there in verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is the love of God? But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we are yet sinners Christ died for us. So the love of God is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, 
We cannot be separated from that love once we have been grafted in. Once we have believed, we're in. Nothing can separate it. Notice what it says in verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Verse 37. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So the Armenian position says, well, I can outwill myself. Well, this passage says there's nothing that can separate us, and I believe that would include ourselves. But where is there a more plain passage on that? Okay, glad you asked. John chapter 10 in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And my Father which gave them me, verse 29, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now, any man includes yourself. <laughs> I mean, I hate to laugh because I think people will take that the wrong way, but I'm telling you, I don't mean that in a mocking tone. I'm just saying, like, it's comical to think that you can unsave yourself. But that's where the Armenian position is. Then there is the Calvinist position, which agrees that salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone, at least on the surface. But God's sovereignty demands obedience, and therefore, you're not saved unless God picked you to be saved, and you can know that you're picked because you'll never, ever fall away. You'll always rebound from your falls. When you do fall away, you're going to get up. It's a guarantee. You will persevere until the end. And if you didn't persevere until the end, well, then you were never really saved to begin with. God never really chose you. You were a victim of your own eternal damnation. Is that proven in Scripture? The answer is no. And it's there in 1 John 2, 2. And we already talked about this last week, but I want you to see it in light of the Calvinist position that I just presented to you. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus died for all the sins of all the world, not just the elected ones. Jesus is the elect, and those who believe are placed in him, and you become a part of that elected group. And you're predestined to heaven because God said all those who believe, heaven will be their home. They'll go to heaven when they die. They have eternal life. So that's where a lot of people land on the permanence of salvation. Either you can will yourself out of it or you have to persevere until the end to prove that you really have it. I would say if we had 10 people in the room that were all theologians and called themselves Christians, eight of them would be Calvinist. They would say, yeah, I'm saved if I continue to do good works because that, that's the proof of my salvation. That becomes really sticky because now the question becomes, what are they trusting in? Are they trusting in their good works as proof to save them? Or did they believe on Jesus for eternal life, but now they have a misunderstanding of the Christian life? I don't know. I wouldn't know unless I talked to them. And I would, and I, and I have talked to Calvinists before many times. I have probably in the last three years talked to a, the same amount of Calvinists that I have people uh, that are unsaved, you know, lost people. Because in my position as a pastor, people want to know what the, what I think about these things. And it's great to be able to point them to the word and say, well, this is what the Bible says. But understanding this here, your emotions or feelings do not indicate your salvation. Okay. You, you, you can, here, here's an illustration. 
All right, we're moving off the Arminianist and Calvinist position. We'll, we'll cover that, I'm sure, in more detail throughout the life here of uh, Real Talk. But here, here's what I want you to understand about emotions and feelings, because a lot of people may think, well, I don't feel saved. You know, I, I put my trust in Christ, but they're, they're walking in disobedience. They're living a carnal Christian life. They don't feel saved. All right, let's look at this illustration here. A man goes into a bank. And the teller says, you have $20,000 in savings. The man screams, rants, raves because he is so excited that he's got twenty grand in savings. Another man walks in and the teller says to him, you also have 20000 in savings. This second man says quietly, thank you. Which man has $20,000 in savings? They both have the savings. How each one reacted is not what produced the money. It's just their reaction to the truth. Okay, so... How a man reacts is not what saves him. No matter what a person does, going fo- you know, go, wh- whether they go forward and, and get saved, whether they pray through, hangs on, let's go, whatever, if he has not trusted Christ, he is not saved. Uh, you know, I'm not interested in getting people into an emotional frenzy on Sundays. You know, feelings can change, but have you trusted Christ? This is the important thing. I have, and we all go through this, you know, we all, mental health is real, and I know that that term has been weaponized, goodness, it's totally been hijacked by the progressive left, but mental health is a real thing, we get into funks, things happen, circumstances overwhelm us because we are weak in our flesh, and there's no shame in that, but where the shame comes in is if we allow that weakness of the flesh to inform how we apply scripture. Now we've got a problem. Now we are allowing our circumstances to override what God has clearly said. You may say one day, I'm saved. And someone asks, how do you know it? I feel it. And they say, what happens when you don't feel it? Well, they've made a good point. Are you not saved because you don't feel it? Listen, the reason why you know you're saved is because that tomb is empty and God's word is proven to be true. Jesus rose again from the dead. That's how I know I'm saved. That's how I know what I believe to is is true. You know, we personally, and you know, I'm reading through Dr. Arnold's notes as we go through this, but I agree with what he said here. I've never had a Holy Ghost fit or chills running up and down my spine, but I know that I'm saved because the Bible doesn't say anything about having those feelings in order to prove that I'm saved. The Bible doesn't say for you to trust your feelings. It says for you to trust him. What God says in his word can be precious and have great joy even make you emotional, but those emotions are based upon knowledge of his word. And I, this is where I'm at, folks, and I'll just tell you very, very personally. I'm, I get overwhelmed very easily. Um, I, I react emotionally often, and I've learned over the years to temper that. But there's times when I'm in the pulpit or when I'm in my office privately, and I'll be overwhelmed by the truth of God's word. And I, I have an emotional response. I cry, I sing, sometimes I stand up in my office and just move around, walk around, I clap, I'll talk out loud and praise God. Those things are all my reaction to the truth. They are not the verification of the truth. I'm not doing those things to prove that I really, 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 really believe it. I'm doing those things because they're true. Just honestly how I feel in that moment. 
There's times where I'll read a portion of scripture one way and, and it won't impress upon me as much as it does another time. But those things do not prove the word to be true. So you're, if you're not careful, your thinking can control you and you can begin to think, well, I'm not saved anymore because I've done this horrible sin. You know, maybe a man gets saved and he's happily married. Years go by. He's not in his word. He's not a, a disciplined believer and he ends up in an affair. And he divorces his wife and he takes up drinking and he takes up visiting prostitutes and he's just in all kinds of sin. You know, he may think, well, because of the quality of my life, I'm not saved anymore. Okay, is that true? Well, the Bible says that if he's believed on Jesus Christ, then all of his sins, he's received forgiveness of those sins. So even though God's not pleased with him doing that sin as this guy is his child, he's not lost. He's still saved, but he's wasting away his opportunity to serve the Lord. He's damaging his testimony. He's damaging his effectiveness in sharing the gospel. He needs to get right with God, confess his sin, stop sinning, and then get back to doing the correct thing. And God will be able to bless him and use him. But it has nothing to do with his salvation. He's already saved. Why? Because he put his faith in Christ. So your thinking can control you. What happens when you pass up an opportunity to witness and you feel a heavy conviction? Is it because the Holy Spirit inside of you is working and leading you to witness? No, your conviction is a result of being sensitive to the Bible teaching regarding your responsibility. You've become alert. You now know your responsibility. You can nullify, or excuse me, you can dull your conscience over time by passing up on opportunities. You can do this in in this same illustration of a lack of witnessing bringing about conviction and you just continually ignore that conviction, you get calloused. If you continue to think that you can lose your salvation and you don't apply the truth of God's word, you can become null or excuse me, dull to that truth and it begins to affect how you perceive scripture. And most of the time, the people that I talk to that believe you can lose your salvation, they, they have a misunderstanding of the Christian life. Salvation is free. Service will cost you. And, and you have to understand those difference. Come unto me, Jesus says. This is for you know eternal life. Come after me. This is for discipleship. We have to have faith in God's word. You know, the witness of man. First John 5, 9 says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. We do receive the witness of men all the time. You know, we believe that uh, there is Russia. Okay, I've never been to Russia, but I believe it's there. I believe the witness of men. The rest of that verse, 1 John 5, 9 says, the witness of God is greater. Man will lie, but God does not lie. And this is what we talked about a little bit last week. First uh, John chapter 5, and verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he hath believed not the record that God gave of his Son. This verse is talking to Christians so that their joy will be full. You can get to the place where you doubt your salvation. If you do, you're making God a liar. Would God lie to you? You just have to look at the truth. Does God lie to me? No, he said he promised me eternal life. And if I believe, I receive it. Boom, then you got it. So stop listening to the lies. Even if those lies are coming from you and your doubt. First John 5.11 says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. God teaches us, his children, to trust him and believe him when he says we have eternal life.
All right, so that's going to wrap up really what we've been talking about the past uh, what, five weeks now um, about you know these seven points of the gospel illustration. Next week, we'll continue talking uh, on you know open and candid thoughts on personal evangelism. I encourage you to be here. Make sure you subscribe. All you iHeartRadio listeners, we see you, 60% of our audience over there on iHeart. But everybody else, make sure that you follow, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms so you know when we produce new content and you can share it with other people. If you have a question, send it to us, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. We'll be more than happy to answer that question and maybe even make a video about the topic. Keep looking up because Jesus Christ certainly is coming soon. And I will see you next week. This has been Real Talk with Pastor Jesse Martinez, where we talk all things faith and practice. God bless you. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.